I've probably used meth since I was about 12 years old, along with every other drug. Junkies shooting up probably about three grams a day for close to four years. Um, and I was, you know, selling a ton of drugs. And I was basically just running with, you know, the wrong people. Ended up finally, thank God, getting arrested. And I'd been in jail my whole life, so it wasn't anything new to uh, be back in that situation again, but this time something was just different. Uh, I realized that I'd destroyed my whole life. I didn't have anything left. I was just pretty much a shell of a person. I don't know, little things kept popping up, little God things in books and things people would say and people that I was meeting in jail. And eventually, I guess, uh, all those things added up. And I believed just enough to try it, to give my life to Christ and see what he could do with it. A buddy of mine just one day said, you know, I go to Fountain Springs, you want to come check it out? I came and uh, I actually ran into somebody that I used to do drugs and sell drugs to. And she told me there was a uh, group that she had done here. So I checked it out and, you know, uh, that kind of turned into Celebrate Recovery. I was baptized here. Um, when I was out on bail. Um, I think it was April 2014. So I went to sentencing. I could have been sitting 20 years in prison and everyone from Celebrate Recovery and Pastor Norm and quite a, I had a, a courthouse full of people supporting me. I ended up getting a five year sentence, which I had to sit two years of. Before I got sentenced, I was uh, in the basement of Fountain Springs here talking to Doug Cavanaugh, who was leading Celebrate Recovery. And uh, he had told me that no matter you know what happened or where I went, he was gonna make sure that Celebrate Recovery followed me. I was in for about a year when Fountain Springs finally could get in the door. I think it was January, they started doing the services full time, so. Um, I was on the crew that set up all that stuff in the morning. So basically from January of 2015 till September, I was on the other end of that TV when Pastor David was talking about the Rapid City Minimum Unit. You know, a lot of people were skeptical about whether Fountain Springs really wanted us as a part of the church, but I had already known Pastor David and Pastor Norm and some other people here, so I knew what the deal was. I knew they were for real. You know, honestly, when I was uh, in prison for those two years, before I had come in, I didn't, you know, I was bouncing around place to place. So when I thought about home, Fountain Springs is what I thought about. Uh, the things that this church has done and the people in this church, if Pastor David wasn't who he is, if this church wasn't doing what it's doing, you know, there's no telling where I'd be right now. going into the juvenile uh, 
service center is going to make a huge impact. You know, if, if there had been something like this there when I was, you know, growing up as a kid, I might have not, you know, done the things that I had done or if I'd have, if somebody could have told me then what I know now, you know, I could be somewhere completely different. Anybody that thinks that, you know, they've done too much or they've gone too far and that, you know, God can't use them, I guess, just take a look at me. Uh, because, you know, he's using me right now, this very second. How awesome is that? Yeah. Uh, I know Josh, and and you got to know that those words that he spoke and his experiences are as real as you heard them. And I know they seem intense at first, but what I want you to grab a hold of is Josh just told you he has hope, not optimism. He also didn't tell you he's perfect. He didn't tell you that he's crossing his fingers, hoping life ends out the way he wants it to. He told you he's got hope. And I think in Christmas season, we often talk about hope. Hope is one of those things like it's on the agenda. It's on the thing that we want to talk about and have. And, and frankly, there's some of us who are simply hoping to have hope, right? We're like, I want to have hope. I'm optimistically hoping that hope arrives. And, and we begin to have these feelings or want these feelings of hope. See, that's why this Christmas story, and you and I gather together like this, it's supposed to be a real moment that's not hinging on anything but truth. And so that's what I want to share with you. I'm going to spend just a few moments with you. For those of you who grew up in church, you're like, yeah, right. No, I promise you. It'll just be a few moments. But I want to press in, and I, I'm convinced this of this, is that Christmas is bigger than we think. Christmas is actually the biggest moment for many of us when you look at what it really is. And so that's what I want to show you. I want to show you inside of the Bible why Christmas is bigger than we think, and it starts in Matthew, if you're not familiar with the actual story. So let me show you Matthew. She will give birth to a son, which is what we know. You know that, right? I'm not, okay. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Christmas story right there set up for us. Now, because... Anytime you read in the Bible, because it's important, you need to know what happens after that. I may have highlighted it for us, but because he will save his people from their sins. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, Christmas, because, why do we have Christmas? Because he will save his people from their sins. Now, Christmas is full of incredible moments, but I, Christmas has these traditions that I don't know if you like or not. Some of you like to set up trees and decorate them. Some of you like the great food. Some of you like the presents the most. Don't cheer, but I know the kids are like, yes. Uh, and some of you like the great food. You catching a trend here? Some of you like to be with family. Some of you like the great food. Now, I know that Christmas has great traditions, and it is awesome. And, and when we celebrate, we often talk about what's the reason for this season. Well, that verse unpacks the fact that Jesus came to save our sins. Let me put it a different way, perhaps a way that you've never heard it. Here's what Christmas is. Christmas is an intervention. Christmas is literally when God, the creator of everything, intervened into our lives intervened in such a way that was epic and changed everything. Time's going by, things are unfolding, everyone's riding their camels at the time, having a blast, and then all of a sudden God intervenes. A baby's born. Now there are folks that, that were mad about it, some that were uncertain about it, and some that owned it, but 
Christmas is an intervention into a major crisis. That's what an intervention is, by the way. I mean, I looked it up in the dictionary, for those of you who don't trust me, but here we go. Intervention is when you interfere in order to modify a situation. Uh, it's an intervention. Some of you have seen the show. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, an intervention is when you enter into, interfere into a situation to modify the situation. Now, now, some of us have had major interventions and some just very lighthearted ones. Many times I've tried to leave the house and my wife has intervened saying, are you really going to wear that outside? Now, now if you're like me, I've, I'm raising kids and, and, and we've had kids that get up to the elder, upper elementary, middle school era and, and it's when you have to intervene and say deodorant, use this all the time, every day, multiple times if necessary and you have to intervene. Some of you have good friends. You know what makes a good friend? Well, a good friend is a good friend by definition when they were intervene and tell you you've got something in your teeth or a bat in the cave, if you know what I'm talking about. That's when you intervene to modify a situation. This intervention that happens. And now I'm talking to you about a much more serious intervention, a life-changing intervention. Now you may be like, well, what's being intervened? Why did God have Christmas? Why did God send Jesus? Why did this all unfold? Was it for presents? Was it to get families together? I'll tell you why there was an intervention. It's in Romans. Romans 3.20 says, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Now let me translate this for you. When it says, for no one can ever be made right with God, by doing what the law commands, here's what it's saying, is you cannot follow the rules well enough, good enough, in order to be made right with God. And now, now if you've ever read the Bible, you understand it's full of rules, and you understand that, but watch this. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. I mean, I've had that experience. You open up the Bible, you read it, and you're like, I'm a horrible person. Or, or maybe you've gone to church and you left going, I'm a horrible person. <laughs> See, that's what happens a lot of times when you look at the rules and measure yourself by how well you follow the rules. But the Bible is clear, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Let me put a real crisis on the table. This is why God had to intervene. You and I cannot be good enough to be made right with God. You and I cannot be good enough. I know that there's religions and there's, there's thoughts out and philosophies that if you're just a good person, hopefully if you cross your fingers well enough and, and you hold enough doors open for people and you walk enough uh, old folks across the street or if you give enough money to so-and-so or if you smile big enough, if you never cuss, if you never speed, hopefully at the end of your life you'll go up to the gates and God will say, you were good enough. And some of us are hoping for that. Christmas revealed to us in intervention form, you and I can't be good enough to get right with God. Now at this point you should say, this is the most depressing Christmas sermon you've ever heard in your entire life. And it feels a bit judgmental if you're brand new to church, you're going, I knew he'd say this. You're like, no, 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 listen, listen, listen. God loves you. God, God didn't just say, hey, you can never be made right with me and, and well, Tough luck for you. No, that's why Christmas happened. It was an intervention in order to modify a situation. So let me tell you something about God. God refuses to limit who he loves. And we get to see that in the Christmas story. He refuses to limit who he loves. If you've been told differently, you were told wrong, and I'm sorry. If you've been shown differently, I'm sorry. 
God refuses to limit who he loves. Let me show you this. Keep reading in Romans. We are made right with God. Now remember, I didn't tell you you can't be made right with God. I told you you can't be made right with God by being good enough. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. If you're wondering, what does that mean? Does that mean I have to go to church every week or I have to know every answer to everything at all? No, 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 no. You place your faith in Jesus Christ. Here's what you're placing your faith in. You're saying, I'm not good enough, but Jesus was. You're saying that Jesus' death, that sacrifice, he sacrificed himself, that that covered your sins. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And watch this, who gets to be a part of this? And this is true for everyone who believes. Not wishful thinking, not maybe I'll deal with it some other time. This This is true for everyone who believes, everyone who believes. At this church, we believe anyone and everyone can believe. No matter who we are. (laughs) It's my favorite part because it makes me feel better. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, I can tell you I have hope. You heard Josh's story. He has hope. It's not optimism. It's not wishful thinking. We have hope, and it is secure. It's not circumstantial. If you're interested, I can tell you where hope comes from. Not all the answers to all of life's questions. But I can tell you, if you want to live life where you're not trying to have to be good enough for God to like you, you'll listen intently. God loved you so much to send Jesus. And oftentimes we talk a lot about that at Easter, but Christmas was the moment of intervention. So as you're unwrapping your presents, as you're eating good food, as you're sitting around lounging or or with weird family, whatever, wherever you're doing for Christmas, I want you to allow your mind to engage the truth about Christmas. It was an intervention for you, for me, for every one of us. And if you wanna own it, I think this is a good time to own it. Let me show you Isaiah. Isaiah says to deal with it. Watch this, come now, let us settle the matter. I love settling the matter. I love to the point preachers. I think you do too. Let us settle the matter. Let's deal with this. Let's put this on the table. Let's not just walk on and engage whatever. Let's deal with this. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet. You don't understand what that's saying. The writer is telling you and I that our sins create stains and they're stains you can't get out unless Jesus intervenes. And that's why it says, because of Jesus, they shall be as white as snow. We know what that means in South Dakota. <laughs> Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Have you, question, have you settled the matter on how you're gonna get right with God? Some of you are like, well, uh, well uh, no, I, I don't know. Well, the Bible's clear, and this church will teach you, if you spend some time with us, is that you can't be good enough, but Jesus was good enough, so the Bible says put all your faith, all your trust in him. Lean on him, rely on him, not on yourself. 